Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? My name is Brendan Wall, and I am the founder and host of the Dad the Man podcast. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please do me a huge favor and leave us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. I can't thank you enough for your support. Today's guest is none other than Will Grimes. Will is a real estate broker in Denver, Colorado, where he and his partner Eli run Mile High Property Brothers. Will is also the co-host of the wildly popular and impactful Day $1.0 podcast, which is a personal favorite of mine as well. Will has lived a life dedicated to serving others, from his time as a Marine to a police officer, and now to an entrepreneur and podcaster where he pours into people on a daily basis. He's down to earth, hardworking, and will do anything he can to help those around him. One thing I really appreciate about Will is his authenticity. He's unapologetically himself and has a unique ability to speak the truth, even the tougher truths, in an encouraging and inspiring way. But above it all, he is an incredible man, husband, and father, which is why I am so excited to have had the opportunity to host him on this show. So here's my conversation with the Will Grimes. All right, and we are live on the Dad the Man podcast, and today we have a very special guest that I'm super pumped to talk to, Mr. Will Grimes. Now, Will, there's a lot of different places I guess we could start this conversation, uh, but the only appropriate place I think would be for for me to take a quick second, acknowledge you, and thank you for your service to this country, both you know in the military and the police force, and being the person that you are, and you know giving your time to people like me in a podcast like this. Very much appreciated. So thanks for your service. Thanks for your time today. Awesome, and uh, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Not very special, man. You guys are looking at uh, treadmills and rowers and jump boxes. And um, yeah, man, we're, we're grinding in the middle of our day. And I, I was able to sneak in a workout. So hopefully anybody who's watching, unless this is just audio, um, forgive my forgive my garage. But no, <laughs> man, I appreciate you having me on. We, um, you know, like with our podcast, Day $1 Zero, I think we're hitting uh I think we're right at like 30,000 downloads an episode, but man, we started it in my basement. When we, when we first got going, we, we made sure we had good cameras and good audio. We wanted to have a, a quality product from the start, but we built a little studio in my, in my basement, man. And um, from the ground up, you know, and then from there turned into the Ben Newman's and the Andy fellows coming on and then they've had us on theirs. And, but you know, like I, I got a good, a good little piece of advice, pretty simple. Uh, from a Marine Corps commander of mine. Um, and it's, it's no one's too big, no one's too small, right? So it's, hey, man, we're all human and we're all out there trying to do our thing. And if somebody's ahead of you in, in rank or ahead of you in business or whatever it may be, they're still human and they're not too big for you to accomplish. And you shouldn't feel like you're too big to where, you know, you allow people to treat you a certain way. But then at the same time, hey, no one's too small, right? That's where you have to flip it. So as you grow and become successful, there is no such thing as too small. Or so, man, when you invited me to be on a podcast, wasn't so much about where you're at. I, I didn't even look at your views or anything. It was more about, you know, hey, what's the podcast about? What's it stand for? You know, what's the message that they're trying, you know, trying to deliver? And and hey, does that does that fit something I think I could speak to? And yeah, 
100%, right? So, man, you don't owe me a show me a fucking thank you at all, bro. That's that's not how this works, man. Well, good stuff. Well, I, I can relate to starting out of the basement. I've got, you know, these boards up behind me, but I'm in the corner of my garage and right on the other side of a curtain that's hanging right here is my squat rack and platform and my bike and stuff too. So it looks uh, right over here. looks a lot like what's behind you right now. Dude, that Peloton costs more than my life, bro. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just glad the wife uses it, dude. Like that thing is awesome. We all get on that. I'm more of like the, I'm more like the rower and the true form treadmill and dumbbells, yep. but uh, my daughter, she's 11. She's getting into like fitness and we're kind of advocates of that and just want to expose her to some things at a young age. And we'll do the same for my son. And, um, but man, they're pricey, but they get on that thing and they use it. And I think, great. <laughs> I mean, what, money's worth. what better example though, to have that in your garage for your kids to see you and your wife doing that. You know what I mean? Like they taking care of yourself. Like my son's two and a half, you know, and like, he'll want to, he'll want to mess around in the morning or whatever, before he goes to his grandma's or like, if I'm catching a workout in the evening and he wants to play with dad, well, if I got to get a workout and it's like, well, you come play in the garage and stay out of my way. And. <laughs> He runs around and kind of gets on some stuff. So he's, he's exposed to it. And then, you know, my daughter, when we have it all here in the garage, it's like, I know if you worked out today or not. So it's like that whole friendly, uh, just busting your kids balls of like, did you get it in today? You know, did you, yep. did you pay it forward or, or not when it comes to your workout? And I'm going to know if you did or not, you know what I mean? And, um, yep. just giving them that level of accountability, but then also man, over time, it's, uh, you know, over time it's, it's been great because, she's worked out long enough. She's kind of get, she gets like that runner's high or getting, you know, the cardio high. Oh yeah. And, you know, she's not too much into the weights yet, but she likes body weight stuff and she likes the cardio. And once they start feeling like that cardio high and some different benefits from working out, then they start seeking it. And then like me having to push them, you know, to do it isn't as hard because they, they value it and they want to get that workout in. They know why it works. And I'll tell you what, man, like, with kids growing, like my, my daughter's 11 now and like kids go through puberty and hormones and you kind of grow tall and then you grow out and you grow fat and then you grow tall and you're going through all that. Like it's good to get her to like manage her exercise and manage what she's doing to just minimize some of that extra body weight that sometimes kids get. And like when kids get a little bit too thick, you know, like it's hard for them to kind of be behind the eight ball and get around that. Right. So it's good to just, man, like while, while kids are just strong and healthy and, their body's going through what it should, but you add the physical fitness on top of it before it gets too, too out of hand per se. Right. Like, yep. Great. It just lets them stay above that, the curve on that. And, um, and you know, if you don't work out, you're going to, you're going to hear from dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And normalizing that as a way of life from, you know, from them being little to me, that's huge. Like my well, it's son, requirement, man. it's like, you got to take oh, care yeah. of your body mentally and physically. And like, this isn't an emotional decision where whether you want to work out or not, no, you know, and, uh, but again, we let her work out with however she wants to. We don't push the bodybuilding on her or something, but it's like, Hey, three to four times a week, I got to have you getting it in. You know, we don't, we don't, I, I work out seven days a week. There's different things that I do with that. And, and some of my rest days aren't rest. It's just different. Um, but we push it in, the, in an appropriate way, but it's also like, it's not this emotional response, right? Like yep. you've got to get it in and it's a requirement. Here's why taking care of your mind and your body is so important, especially at a young age. And, Hey, if you took yesterday off, get your ass up there and, and let's get going. And and I think that in itself is a good thing. Like just allowing kids to understand that emotions should not have majority vote yes, with what you're choosing to do all the time. Right. Cause a lot of times you're not going to feel like doing something, but if it's required for business or for 
other obligations you have or whatever it may be, like you've got to learn how to muster up that, that maturity to just get it done. And I think again, man, at a, at a younger age, if they can learn that, but then also see the benefit of not always having an emotional response because they, they reap the benefit of like the fruits of their labor, right? Like then they're yep. starting to, it makes sense to them as they get older, they'll have a sense of work ethic. They'll have a sense or a perspective on what the benefit of having a work ethic looks like, you know, and then just a lot of, hard times in, in their twenties, man, hopefully we can just mitigate or eliminate it because they've just got the perspective they need to start venturing out and to build their life. Yeah. And teaching them too. I think there's like kind of continuing on what you're saying there, like the beauty of delayed gratification, like, you know, you might go in and do bicep curls as hard as you can for two straight hours. You're going to wake up the next day and they're going to look the same. And down the road, shit? down the road. You know, like, I don't even look at it, man. Like I don't even look at my biceps the next day. Like, <laughs> Man, like we um like we're doing our YouTube channel, you know, with with our real estate company. And we just got invited to be a part of the Drew Barrymore show to be correspondents on her show. And yeah, man, man a little hum, a little humble, Brad. We were looking at our numbers and our, our YouTube channel has produced one million thirty-six thousand in commissions in six months. But we weren't looking at the numbers every day, you know, like that's yep. that whole other thing, man. It's like we're just putting in the work and and the core of what we do is creating a great experience for buyers and sellers within real estate and then training our team to be professional enough to create the same experience for buyers and sellers. In addition to myself and Eli, and it was crazy, man, because we just started looking back at some of that stuff after six months and saw it. And it was like, Oh wow. Like, man, this is awesome. And <laughs> Hey, we, you know, we got invited to be a part of Drew Barry, but we weren't looking for the result the next day. We've been focused on the fundamentals. We've been focused on the, the consumer, man. We've been focused, focused on the client experience and just, making sure we're doing things the right way. And then over time, you know, just making sure clients have been taken care of, you start looking back and you're like, wow. And it's the same thing with your workouts, man. If you're, if you're going to looking for your abs or your, your biceps the next day, like you say, the delayed gratification, man, it's so in the back of my mind. I don't even know if I, if I'm looking for gratification, like I feel, and maybe it's just because I feel the, the benefit of like the workout right after I'm done, my stress levels are low. I feel good about what I just did. I just set my day up for success because I've tackled something really hard. I got a good sweat. Like just that by itself is enough for me. But then over time, Oh, Hey, my abs are popping. Or, hey, my, you know, I'm looking chiseled or, Hey, those are awesome pieces. But man, I can't remember the last time I was even paying attention to that. Hey, I'll quote you what you were talking about in there. It's as intentional as you guys are and focusing on the right things. I've heard you say a bunch of times, be brilliant at the basics. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's exactly like, I feel like you just, what you just said, that's the best way I could summarize it. And I, I, I'm going to quote you at you mm -hmm. real quick. <laughs> well, man, that was, a, that was at one of the schoolhouses I was at when I was going through the Marine Corps and I just gotten a part of a uh, special operations command and I'm going through a course and at the schoolhouse above the door, before you walk out, uh, it said high speed is being brilliant at the basics. And that man, when I first saw it, it kind of pissed me off. Cause I'm, I was still young and dumb and full of, you know what? full of shit <laughs> you know and like you but then once you started learning when you started learning the job that you were actually walking into at that level and you start seeing all the basics that apply to that profession it was like yeah man if you can be brilliant at these basics beyond rapport regardless of how risk the circumstances are man you're high speed and that's true man like so when it comes to your fitness right just diet and exercise and water and, and managing those things and paying attention to what you're eating and why you're eating and the timing of what you eat, like even carbohydrates, carbohydrates are great to replenish your glycogen levels after a workout. And like, 
It's not just about, oh, I've only eaten 100 grams of carbs today. When's the best time to eat those carbohydrates? Like you, And those are all basic fundamentals of just diet, exercise, and, and nutrition and understanding how things work so you can apply them in the right time. And man, if you can do that every single day, day in and day out, without any falter, ah, you're, you're pretty high speed and you're, you're probably pretty shredded and pretty healthy. Yeah, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Love mm-hmm. that. So I want to take it back a little bit, Will. So anybody that, who may not know you or your story, can you give us a quick overview, maybe from like your childhood, you know, on the way up to going into the military and then getting out of the military and kind of, I guess, all the way up to speed with, with where we are today. Do you mind giving us the, the overview there? Yeah, man. Typical kid, mildly interesting, youngest of all girls, um, you know, played a little bit of pro baseball for about five minutes. I had a buddy pass away in Iraq who had joined the Marine Corps and, and he loved everything about the Marine Corps and what it stood for. His older brother was in the Marine Corps. Um, he was actually deployed during OIF-1, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom 1, around like that 2003 time. And yeah, man, I just I wasn't ready for the business of baseball. I did really well in JUCO and did some cool stuff. And um you know, had an opportunity and, and didn't, I didn't, didn't pursue it much. Didn't take it. Had some, had some burnout kind of going and just wasn't ready for the, for the business aspect and some of the politics with that. And Hey, that's okay. I just had some growing to do, but I wanted to join the Marine Corps. And it was more about, like, I just wanted to go be a part of something bigger than myself. I wanted to challenge myself. And, you know, my dad was in the Marine Corps during Vietnam and, you know, so Ah, there was just a lot of like nostalgic things there. And I also, man, I'd never shot in a rifle to a boot camp and I had no idea how to swim. You know, I almost drowned as a kid a couple of times when my, when my cousins threw me in the pool at grandma's house and it freaks me out. Like, no, no cool story. I wasn't like, I wasn't drowning in some river running from the bears and like some dude saved my like No romantic story about almost drowning. It was just, you know, mildly interesting. Got thrown in the pool as a youngster and did not swim and it freaked me out. And, you know, I grew up in Colorado and I played a lot of baseball and football and, I was on a, a Little League World Series team, so you you play a lot. So, you know, there's not a lot of pools or, like, the ocean in Colorado. There's a lot of mountains and lakes and stuff. But, man, I was playing so many sports in spring and summer that when, like, some of my friends, you know, would go to the pool, I could dodge it because I was playing ball. And then when you go to, like, a tournament in baseball, there's, like, pools at the hotel. But, man, you get so tired playing four four baseball games a day in Little League that, the coaches don't even want you swimming. They want you resting for the next day. So conveniently I was able to dodge never wanting to learn how to swim, you know, and that grew into adulthood. Right. So then I'm going to boot camp, and uh, I've, you know, two stories that I talk about a lot. I was just talking about this with Ben Newman, two things, man. Cause like the, the special operations command stuff is really cool. And, but honestly, man, like there's lesson learned just at the infantry level and how badass infantrymen are and, bringing the fight to the fight and how high speed you got to be just to conduct combat operations there and preparing for that. And I look up to those guys so much. And it may, even in boot camp, man, like I remember sitting on the rifle range and that's when drill instructors are a little nice to you. Cause you got a loaded gun and they don't want you shooting somebody cause they're, you know, they're stressing you out. Right. So they're a little bit more calm with you. And I remember one of my drill instructors coming up to me and he saw that I was, you know, just kind of nervous or maybe just not acting like myself. And I told him, I said, man, I've, I've never shot. And he leaned into me, man, and he goes, good, no bad habits. You just do exactly what I say, how I say, when I say, and you apply yourself as best as you can. We're professional gunfighters, Grimes. We're going we're gonna to knock this out. You're in, the, you're in the best place possible to ever learn this, and you got no bad habits that you got to unlearn. And, man, what a perspective that was, right? Because mm-hmm. you got all these guys, you know, that grew up hunting and shooting with their dads, and 
Mm-hmm. They weren't as good of a shot as they thought they were, man. You started getting out the 500 yards with just iron sights. They, they weren't as good as they thought they were. And they had to unlearn a lot of old habits that they thought would work because it worked with their dad or whatever, you know, whatever that was. And like me, I didn't have the perspective of a bad habit. I didn't, all I had was a blank canvas and whatever they wanted to, you know, these, these instructors wanted to paint. And fortunately I had a lot of great instructors and dude, I was, I was high shooter out of boot camp, you know, and then, and I didn't stop there. I mean, I was high shooter off of every range doing the scout sniper stuff, being a part of special operations like that kind of became, you know, what I was, what I was, uh, what I was known for, man, between rifles and scope rifles and pistols. Like I applied myself super hard and had a passion and maybe had some talent for it as well, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, before I ever realized if I had a talent for it, I had this ambition of really wanting to just step up and do a great job and, and just make people proud of me. And, and I was also ready for the challenge. I'd never done anything like this. And I wanted to see what I had as a man and test myself. So I joined the Marine Corps and, and I was going to the infantry, you know? And so the perspective of like, Oh, no bad habits. It's okay to be brand new. And matter of fact, brand new is a fresh perspective I'm not stuck in my old ways. Oh, that just leveled the playing field like that. So I take that into life when it comes to new endeavors of starting a real estate, be, being a broker, right? And then mm-hmm. and then growing a team and certain things. And I haven't had the stigma of being afraid of being new. And these guys in real estate that have been around 10, 15, 20 years, it's like, do you have 20 years of experience or do you have one year of experience you've done 20 times? And you're not diverse and you're and you're you're not as good as you think you are. Matter of fact, <clears> you're limited. Because you're in your, you're in, you know, you're in your own head about what you think is the best way to do it. And you haven't had a fresh perspective in a long time on how to operate. So that inhibition in itself has been eliminated from me because I understand the power of being new. And, and then the other side that I learned, man, like I didn't know how to swim, right? That was the other thing that was super hard for me. So when you first go to boot camp, you got to jump off this 15 foot platform into the 20 foot pool or whatever it is. And, and then you got to like float or tread water for five minutes and that's swim qual four. It's like the, it's like the minimum, right? They say, Hey, if you don't mm-hmm. know how to swim, when you get to the edge of the platform, raise your hand. So we don't let your monkey ass drown when you jump <laughs> in. Right. So, but Hey, you're going to try to tread water. And if you start drowning, we'll come save you. Right. So I jump in and I was proud of myself for even just jumping off the damn edge. Right. They'd have pushed yep. me anyway, but I jumped in on my own and, I go, I go really deep into the pool. I'd never been that deep in any pool. And it seemed like it took an eternity to try to like, and I'm just negative point as it is, dude, even nowadays. I don't feel well, but, so I'm negative like swimming point. to the top. It feels like it's taking forever. I finally get to the top and dude, I don't try to tread water at all or float. I start doggy paddling to the far end of the pool. And, and uh, again, man, same drill instructor. Uh, he had, he saw me doing that and he was on the other side of the pool. So I'm swimming to the opposite side where like this other, these other recruits are other drill instructors. And, you know, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Or is You're it all right? good. You're all good. So I just remember drill instructor, Sergeant Graham saying, Grimes, you motherfucker. And I swear, dude, he walked on water. He didn't even go around the pool. He got to me so quick. I swear he must've walked on water. And these two other drill instructors on the other side of the pool where I was swimming, they heard my drill instructor yelling at me. They see him. They see me. They put two and two together, and they hop in the pool, and they start thrashing me, dude. They're throwing me under and pushing me under, you know, and then, like, the other drill instructor comes over, and as they're, as they're doing that, I'm flailing around like a, a weirdo, I'm sure. 
and they were yelling at me to calm down. I said, like, <laughs> freaking drown me, man. And like, but they weren't letting up until I calmed down. Once I started calming down, they started calming down. And then I calmed down more and then they calmed down more. And then they, they started teaching me how to float on my back and how to relax and stop freaking out. And hey, man, have enough intestinal fortitude to try before you just go swimming to the edge of the pool, man. Like, hey, get your shit together, you know? And that was super beneficial because they broke me. I broke. And it's really hard to try to push yourself to your own breaking point, especially if you've never really had one before. It's hard to understand what the threshold is, right? So, well, they showed it to me and they broke me. But then they also guided me and their intent was to make me the best Marine possible. And so going past my own threshold and being broke gave me perspective on how much further you can really go. And you need that perspective in business. You need it as a father. You need to just be able to teach that to your kids one day. One day I'm going to have to break my son off, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and who knows what it will be under, but I need to be able to go beyond his threshold so I can break him, yet guide him at the same time. Super important. And then, so after that happened, you know, I, I go to the side of the pool and I got to learn how to flutter kick. I got to learn how to tread water and do certain motions with my hands and my arms. And you can't do all that in the pool you got to learn those motions on the side of the pool. So I started learning a work ethic, man, because for two weeks I'm, I'm, I'm pretending to be a frog on the side of the pool, not even in the water. And I, man, I applied myself as hard as I could for two weeks, man, just to barely pass swim call for like, I tried with all of my might for two weeks just to get this much. Right. And it's like, man, that's a perspective on one, how hard you can really work, right? Like how hard do you really work? And just because you're working that hard doesn't mean you should accept, you know, you should expect extraordinary game, but this much right here is the game changer, bro. It's like, it's that incremental change that pushes the needle. It was that much change that got me to pass swim qual four, which is what I needed to graduate boot camp. I didn't have to be swim qual two or swim qual one yet to go, to go into the SOCOM world. And, I ended up accomplishing swim call two, which was the minimum for the SOCOM world. But I had to try my best. But, man, it was such good perspective on, yeah, man, here's how life's going to go. If you want to be successful in life, you are going to give it all of your might and make this much change. But if you do that over time, that change really starts to, to be to be that that common denominator that separates you from everyone else, man. And it's And it's super important, you know. So it was the belief in myself to be new at things realizing you could have the confidence to really excel. And then it was putting that, that work ethic along with the expectation of what you should get from a work ethic. That was so important. And I, I think, man, a lot of times nowadays when we see it in business and real estate, people want to be a top producer in two months or six months. And it's like, Hey man, this shit's hard. You might not even do a deal for six months, you know? And, and if you don't, Hey, that's okay. But there's this expectation that if you put so much effort into something that you're going to be extraordinary within a certain, you know, within a certain time frame, And no, that's not necessarily true. And I think I excelled better at weapons because I tried just as hard at it, but I also had a talent for it. I tried just as hard at the swimming, yep. but I don't have a talent for swimming. Like I have a talent for shooting. Yep. So both equally got the same amount of effort, but there was a different result there. But then that was just me being honest with myself with, Hey, what's your self-awareness, right? So like, Hey, what can you start diving into that are your strengths, you know? And and the swim qual four taught me, hey, you still need to be adequate. Don't just let things go to the wayside. So like in business, 
if you don't know how to invest your money or file taxes or know or know what tax deductions are because you're not good at that stuff, that's okay. You still got to learn enough to be adequate. And then, yeah, you can have somebody help you with it or hire that out. And then you can go triple down on your strengths. But you got to know the difference between both. And you still got to give that equal amount of effort into a man. And I think that's where you start getting well-rounded. And that's where your perspective on how you approach life comes from. And then, well, yeah, once you become a father, like, if you can learn those things and have the experience in it, like, man, you know, like, my ability to put my son and my daughter under stress through athletics, through working out, through pushing them academically and dragging them into deep water per se, yep. but then teaching them how to work through that and then allowing them to feel the benefit of working through that, man, the, the perspective you can give children at such a young age, man, what they can turn into, they'll be, they'll be better than their dad ever was, you know? And like, and I, I think that's also the goal, man. I think all good parents want their kids to, to be happy, but to also, you know, exceed anything that we've ever done. Yeah, I'm really glad you touched on that, too. I think that was a great way to, to end that, your story there, because I think, you know, there's everybody wants to everybody wants to be successful, like you said. Right. And everybody says, you know, they want to do it for their family because everybody wants to give their wife and their kids the best life, everything that they can. To me, I think the, the other side of that sword is that if you just generate a bunch of wealth and then toss it on your kids and never teach them the lessons along the way. That other side, the other edge of that sword is so sharp. And I think it's so criminally just underspoken about in, in this whole, the whole culture of business and success and everything. So like what you're talking about mm -hmm. using sports as a medium, using fitness as a medium to teach kids the lesson of, you know, you got to show up every day. If you want to pick up that weight, if you want to put 10 more pounds on the bar, nobody else can lift it for you. They well, can, they, but you they can't see say dad doing it too. You know, like it's not just talking to them. It's like they see dad doing it. Like it's important mm -hmm. that my kids see me. Like I'll be in Dallas next week doing some speaking. And it's important that they see me working hard and still putting in that work. And I'm not just sitting here talking to my kids about what I used to be. You know, like now right. I'm still that guy. I'm just in a different profession doing different stuff, but I'm still attacking it like it's anything else I've ever done. And it's important for them to see me work hard. It's important for, for them to see me get after it when maybe I'd rather take a rest day. It's important for them to see me go impact and influence others and, and contribute and be a value to other people. Like they've got to see that in addition to me just talking about it, you know, and no doubt, man, it's no disrespect to parents, but a lot of times we get so invested in parenthood. We forget that we still got to be ourselves. And dude, I, I love influence. I love going in publicly speaking. I love running our real estate company. I love scaling and, and getting to that next, that next financial bracket, you know, and, being able to donate money to veterans and, and contribute to different friends that are doing things. I don't get to do that if I'm not in a certain financial standpoint, right? Like, right. So seeing money as a tool and the value it can bring and man, just having no red tape around trying to raise money and this GoFundMe taking my money. Like, man, I'm in a place now I can cut a check and I can go let veterans go to events and get help for themselves and no red tape. I can just, I can just write that check and directly influence other people and man, selfishly, that feels good to be able to do that. You know? and, yeah. but, but all of those lessons are important because, yeah, man, I do have self-respect. I do have my own goals and my own ambitions of like what I want to achieve in addition to what I want my kids to achieve. Yeah, I, of course, I've got my own ambition. I want, I want my kids to see me go out and attack my life and, and bring value to others, but then also accomplish what I'm setting out to accomplish. And like, it's good for kids to know 
hey man, you're not special. <laughs> like dad and mom love you and we think you're special because we, we're the ones that crapped you out. But you're not fucking special, man. Like you're just not like everybody, like even dad, I got to go out and I got to handle my business and I got to do what I got to do. And hey kid, this world does not revolve around you, right? Like you got to get out and get after it and, and figure out a way to contribute to society and, and, and do it in a way that makes you happy. And if you can create some wealth at the same time, well then, Hey, that's a win-win. Right. But if you're not leading from the front, if you just fall into that place of like, you got so busy being a parent that you live in quiet despair and you're not attacking your own dreams and your own ambitions and you're kind of just settling. Well, now you're going to live vicariously through your kid or you're going to be toxic and kind of mean toward things that they're doing. And kids are smart, man. They see that. Right. So I think the biggest thing to encourage parents to do is still attack your dreams, still go after it and be ambitious and do things for yourself. And knowing that if I'm the best, happiest version of myself, well, that's the best type of data I can then, you know, contribute to my kids. Right. Cause I'm leading from the front and I'm preaching it. And I think sometimes in parenthood, we get a little consumed and we just turn into parents and we're not actually leading our own life. When in reality, that's the number one thing that your kids are going to learn from is, is, is your actions not just what you have to say, right? Like, I feel like what I have to say to my kids is like, I go, I do a lot of stuff and then I talk about what I'm doing and I break it down so it makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not creating those actions, it's hard to have things to talk about and I can't directly relate them to what I'm doing. So then I'm giving my kids hypothetical examples and that means you're full of shit, right? Like (laughs) hypothetical examples and hypothetical conversations are a waste of my damn time. And they're a waste of your kids' time. Like, I want direct things to be able to speak at that my kids can see. And I think that's where the validity comes through. And that's where you'll have an influence on them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no doubt that kids do what they see and, and not what mm-hmm. they're told. And, I, you know, I think about it like, man, how am I going to go tell my son, my kids are four and two, how am I going to tell them when they get older to chase their dreams if I'm not willing to do that myself? And I had Period. that in the back of my mind, like starting this podcast. I mean, public speaking, all this kind of stuff, honestly, has been historically been a huge fear of mine. And I said, if I can't face that and I can't chase something that I know that I want to do, it's the advice that I would give to my kids. If I won't take it myself, how the heck am I ever going to tell them to go do that? Even worse, even worse, let's say you're not chasing your dreams, but your kids listen to you and they go chase their dreams. Look, man, there's fear and obstacle and unknowns and challenges and insecurities and doubt. There's a lot of shit that comes into play once you commit to starting your dream, once you commit mm-hmm. to going and chasing it. So let's say your kids, they do listen to what you say and they go chase it, but you're not doing that yourself. You're going to have nothing to contribute to that process. Yep. Right. Like it's like, it's almost like, a, you know, like if you're a coach and you're coaching fighters, if you've never fought before, I'm not saying you can't be a coach, but I'm saying like the coaches that have fought, they tend to have a better relationship with their fighters because they know emotionally the roller coaster that these guys are going through in the lead up and the six week training camp. And then, you know, six hours, four hours, one hour prior to the fight. And then when they're in the fight, what's it feel like to have your own blood in your eye and tasting your own blood and trying to control your breathing. And it's like, if you've never done that, even if you're, you're a great coach, you might be lacking that connection with that fighter because you've never shared that experience, right? So if you don't ever chase your dreams, if you've never tackled your own fear and your own obstacles and you've never overcome being broke and had people break you down and you crush through a threshold, 
how are you ever going to have anything to say to your kid when they start chasing their dream? Like if anything, you, you might be telling them to pull the plug on it and doing something else because you don't know yourself where your kid's threshold or what a threshold even looks like. So the worst is not that they don't chase it. The worst is they do. And then you just got nothing to, it'd be like taking my, it'd be like taking my kid to the pool, but I don't know how to swim. What if he starts drowning? I'm just, hopefully someone else is going to come save my kid. Well, if I don't know how to swim, I'm going to put a damn life jacket on or something so I can, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Hey, like, how are you going to be You're able to, like, to contribute? Mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so I got two more questions for you as we move toward sure. driving up. I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. So all those all things, good, all those things considered, being the example for them, showing them what it looks like, chasing your own dreams, giving them something to look up to. And I know how hard you work, how hard you hustle. How do you, how do you, I guess, balance the other side of that? And balance is probably, you know, like work-life balance is probably the worst and most overused term ever. But how do, how do you see that balance between being that example, going out and, and doing the things that you need to do professionally, and then also being intentional about giving quality time to your, to your wife and your kids. Yeah, man, I don't know if balance is the right word. I kind of like work-life or work-life, home-life integration, right? Because I'm not yeah. someone different when I come home and I don't, I don't necessarily come home and I got to put my phone and my laptop and things away because now I'm just going to ghost work because I no longer work on dad. Like, I just don't think that's how it works, man. If, if we got an emergency with one of our buyers or sellers, like, man, this past winter, we had a couple of emergencies and we had a home that we had bought for 3 million. And a couple of weeks after buying it, uh, Boulder had like this crazy cold freeze come through and froze all the pipes and like all of the homes in the mountains of Boulder and, one of them was one of the ones that we had just helped one of our clients buy. And, um, man, the, the ceiling and the, the floor and the upstairs had caved in and the water was coming down into the main floor. And then part of that caved in and went into the basement. And, yeah, if I wasn't around to answer my phone call, you know, like this guy's moving from San Francisco. He doesn't have resources, man. Like he was there with his wife. They were getting ready to fly back the next day. They were just putting a couple things there and, he had, he was walking in to show his wife the home for the first time. And that's what she walked into. And, but we've got a lot of great people around us that went up there and Boulder had like nobody available because every home had broke. So all the, all the guys that do like flood cleanup and everything else was, uh, they were booked for like two weeks and he calls me, I answer, I, I remember where the water shut off and all that is. So I'm able to help him get the water shut off. And then I, I call a buddy who's got a, a great company for that stuff out of Denver and you know, he took the favor and said, yeah, man, we don't really go up there, but I know it's an emergency. So the owner of the company took him and one of his best guys, you know, at 830 at night on a Friday in the middle of freaking winter, took him up there. I, I met him up there. I'm not just going to let those guys go and I'm not there, right? Like, so we just, man, we just troubleshooted what was going on. We prioritized what mattered most at first. And man, it was a terrible thing, but we brought a lot of relief to, to my client by just at least having a resolution in play for what this looks like moving forward. And they couldn't have been happier and insurance covered things. And we got their home fixed and all good, but sometimes clients need you. Sometimes the agents that are on our team need us. And, you know, I've got a really good home life to where like my wife, she, she writes code. She's like a software developer, right? She's all smart and shit, right? I don't even know what it's called, but man, sometimes she's got to work on her laptop because she's building something for the company she works for. And, yeah, man, sometimes she's got to work at night. And so, hey, that's cool. And sometimes I got to work at night. And again, I don't think it's bad for your kids to see that. And 
so we just kind of have this thing. And man, I'll tell you what, like you, you give your kids your time after about 20, 30 minutes, they're not like interacting with you. They just think it's cool that you're in the room. So what I try to do, man, every night is, you know, 6 PM to 8 PM with as much ability as I can without having to answer things. If, you know, I don't need to respond to emails or, you know, I'll answer the phone, but if it's not important and I can get to it later, I, I, you know, I'll get to it later. And I try to give my kids those two hours every single night. And then the nights that we can't, cause I've, you know, I've got to get on some emails or I've got to troubleshoot something and, and just make sure that we're helping people out. I'm still in the room with my kids. So they're watching anime or playing on their iPad and, and run around and playing with monster trucks. Like, man, sometimes when we're doing that, you know, like my wife's on her laptop and she's just working while she's coexisting with the family. And we're just not so cutthroat to each other, man. There's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of understanding that, Hey, we still contribute to things outside of our family. And every once in a while, if we got to get on our computers or get on our phone during family time, we're all very supportive of each other. And we just, man, it's just low stress. You know, like, we don't, I'm not going to bust my wife's chops over it. I just trust that if she's on her computer, I trust it's important. I trust it's got to get done. And I'm not going to sit here and tell her not to do it or wait till midnight when the kids are in bed so she can lose sleep and not do it. It's like, we're just not so critical, you know, of each other. But at the same time, because we're not so critical, we have integrity that, hey, if we don't have to be on our phones, if we don't have to be on our computers, then we're not. And then we go six to eight or six to nine. Or man, sometimes like if our kids stay up a little bit later, like today's Friday, if our kids stay up a little bit mm -hmm. later tonight, well, then I'm going to go six to 10 with them. Yeah. You know, and, but man, the, I don't know the whole balance of like, oh, I got to come home and like just turn my shit off. Like, dude, again, the world does not revolve around me. I'm not that big of a deal. Like, I don't know. And like, if my agents need me or if a client needs me and something's important. And then as far as a leader, so like we, we got a pretty large team. We've got 40 agents that are out cranking. And here's what I tell them. I respect them as adults. I say, hey, look, if you call me at nine o'clock at night, you're an adult. A lot of you have families of your own. If you call me at nine o'clock at night, I'm going to answer because I'm trusting that you also know it's nine o'clock at night and you know, I have a family and you have a family. And if you're taking time away from your family and you also realize it's nine o'clock at night, cause you're an adult, it must be important. So I'm going to answer my phone. And if it's not important, I'm going to answer your questions. And I'm just going to kindly remind you that, Hey, this probably could have waited till tomorrow. Let's get better at prioritizing what matters. And dude, I have never had a problem to where when they call me late at night, it wasn't important. But the bottom line is, you know, we've, we've built a, a company and, and people rely on us. And who the heck am I to not allow them to have some sort of, a, of access? I've just got to make sure that they understand. Let's be let's all be adult and mm -hmm. let's prioritize the right ways. But yeah, if it's important and I should I should be there for you. And if if that means I got to take 15 minutes away from my kids, well, guess what? My kids can learn. The world doesn't revolve around you either, kid. You know, like if I, but they can see their dad being valuable. They can see their dad being relied on mm -hmm. and the fact that I can still contribute to something, you know. But again, if you're going to do that, the caveat is when you don't have to be on your phone and nobody's calling you and nobody, and you don't have to be on your computer, then you're present, right? And then more times than not, man, that, that window that we give our family every single night, we're present, we're having dinner with each other, we're laughing, we're watching some anime, my kids love anime, and so we're having, or we're watching baseball or football if it's dad's turn, and and then those two to three hours, man, I man, it recharges me, it refreshes me, and I go to bed in a great mood, and I wake up refreshed for the next day to, to attack it, so more times than not, that time goes great with, with family, and we, and we love it, and 
you know, but hey, man, if, if every once in a while my, my wife needs an hour to bang something out or I got to take a couple calls, hey, stop being so damn critical of each other and just allow each other to be productive in your own lane. So long story long here, I think it's more about the work, work life, home life integration. I don't know if there's a balance to where you got to turn the light switch on and off and it's got to be one or the other. I don't know. And then some people are going to disagree with me, right? So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm also going to say is, hey, that works for us. Mm-hmm. My wife is forgiving of me. If I have to take a call and she trusts that if I'm taking that call, it must be important. And I'm trusting her that if she's on her laptop and she's building something for work, I'm trusting that it's super important. And there is no other time to get it done during the week. She's got to take some family time and, but she'll hang out in the living room with us. Right. And so, so she's still enjoying the family while she's working on it, but I'm going to trust that, Hey, it must be important, you know? And then again, the last thing, you know, I'll, I'll let it go. We also have the integrity that if we don't have to be doing those things, we're not on our phones and we're not on our computers, you know? So it just, but that works for us, man. It's, it's great for us. We're not too critical of each other. We understand the importance we have uh, of our careers and, and people counting on us. And we take pride in that, you know, and Hey, if you got to get something done, you got to get something done. And for the people that disagree with that and, Oh man, if my husband even touches his phone, I'm going to kick him in the head or whatever it is. It's like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go diving into people's marriage. And the bottom line is, you know, we're true to ourselves and we do what works for us and it genuinely works. Nobody's is secretly bothered by it. Or I'm not telling my wife to shut up and deal with it. This is who I am. No, no, no. We've made great game plans and we both appreciate those and our, and our kids work well with it. And, and that works for us. So the bottom line is like within your marriage, especially if you've got kids, you just got to find a game plan that works for the both of you. And you both have to give some patience and understanding to one another and some forgiveness to one another. But yep. then what you could give back to that spouse is the integrity that if you don't have to be on your damn phone, you shouldn't be on Facebook scrolling or Instagram. Like if you're on your phone, you're on your phone and it's important. But if you don't have to be on it, and that's where you got to pay it forward to your family and then don't, right? Like just because they're okay with you being on your phone or your laptop during family time doesn't mean you should abuse it and become complacent. You got to make sure that if it's not needed, pay it forward and then enjoy the family. But yeah, man, that works for us. People just got to find what works for them, you know? So well said. Um, I couldn't agree more. Last question for you. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. Our kids are going to grow, grow older. We're, or our kids are going to grow up. We're going to grow older. And one day we are, we are going to move on uh, from this life. And when I think about the word legacy, I think about you know, the memories, the moments, the lessons, uh, the, the things that our kids, that we leave for our kids, you know, the, those, those little details that they're going to remember about us. Like to me, that is, that's what legacy is all about. So if you think about that, you know, raising your kids, getting older, moving on. What do you want your kids to remember about their dad? I don't know. You know, I think, I think, um, I think I want them to remember whatever they choose, you know, like I don't want to, uh, man, I just try to do the best I can with everything that I do. And I try to influence and, and empower people the best that I can, including my family. I try to show my family how important they are, but I also try to show my family how important it, it is to, to contribute and empower others. And, and just being yourself and doing cowboy shit and, you know, doing it your way and being the best version of yourself that you can be and, and not being mistake free, but just learning and growing as you can. And I think I might have a couple things that my kids might remember about me, my humor or something like that. But, you know, I think when it comes to like how I, how I'm going to remember my dad, you know, when, whenever that day is that he passes away, 
I don't think it's for him, man. I think that's for me. I think it's, you know, not, not being selfish. I think that no matter what my dad would want me to remember about him, I think organically how humans work and how memories and influences imprinted into our brain and into our heart, regardless of what my dad would want me to remember about him, I think I'm just going to remember what I remember based off of his impact on me. Right. So, man, I, I just hope they remember me, man. <laughs> right? Like, you know, with modern medicine, you know, like, I think I'm going to live to like 120. I'm going to do my best to do stem cells and do a ton Let's of weird go. shit and try to live to be 120 and still have abs and working out. And, you know, and man, I pray that that I, I'm with my kids as, as long as possible. And, but yeah, I think, um, man, if, you know, the day if I ever go to heaven and I can ever look back on my kids and I can, I can see or feel what they're remembering about me in real time. I think that would be pretty cool, but I'm, I'm pretty open-minded, man. I think, um, I think I'd be more interested as my kids grow, you asking my kids, Hey, when your dad finally kicks the bucket, what would you remember about your dad? I would, I think I would much more enjoy what they would have to say versus what I would like them to remember, you know, but yeah. um, I think I just hope they remember me and, I hope that there's some lessons, whether it's hard times that I've gone through or extremely high times and extremely rewarding times, whatever those may be. I, I hope that somehow they remember me and, and apply the lessons learned and it, and it helps, it helps to their, to their benefit. But yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what I'd want them to remember about me. I just, Man, hopefully everything. Fuck. <laughs> don't have kids till you're 30. And not, man, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, but again, man, I think uh I think as they get older, hearing what they would have to say, you know, would be pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, yep. uh, well, Will, thank you so much for your time today. Man, I gotta give you a plug too for the for the podcast you guys are doing, day one dollar zero. That is quickly becoming one of my favorite shows that I listen to very regularly. Uh, right you know, a lot of great episodes. Uh, two of my favorites I'll throw out there real quick. The one with uh, Sal Frisella and uh, Eric Wood more recently. Those are probably my two favorites that I've run through. Just, Those are good, man. Did you, um, have you heard the last one yet? I haven't, I haven't run it through yet, but I got it on the list. Yeah. That'll be one of your favorite. I, I, I was a little off the cuff and had, had some good things to say that I feel and um, talked about. The, some what's the title of that one? Goals uh picking bones okay awesome yeah it should be the one that's at the top it's the very newest one so if you go in there you should be able to find it but i'm pretty sure it's called i think eli named it picking bones um but yeah man throw me a throw me a message on instagram let me know what you think of it because i kind of talk about when people kind of throw shade or attack you a little bit and it, it kind of comes from friends because you're you're outgrowing into a different a, a different level and but then i also was like making sure i was being subjective to myself and not overreacting. And I, I think there's some good takeaways for a lot of you guys that are, that are growing and some of the challenges that you might come into in the future um, and just how to deal with this. So yeah, man, take a listen and, and let me know, uh, let me know your thoughts and, and what you think of it. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link the link that up in the show notes as well. When, cool. when we release this and we have so much good stuff from your podcast. I love the, just the mentality, the day $1 zero, the parallel to even, you know, being a man, husband and father, that, you know, there, there is no credit earned for being a great dad today. You still got to show up tomorrow. Just top to bottom. Thousand love percent. the show. Can't recommend it highly enough for everybody listening here. Uh, Will, where's the best place for everybody to go follow you? Uh, Instagram. I, I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm on Instagram a lot, man. It's Will underscore Grimes, G-R-I-M-E-S. 
Um, and man, even if, you know, even if you're new at following me, I try to do pretty good at, um, you know, responding to messages. So even if you're in my filtered messages, I haven't followed you back yet. If you throw me a message, I tend to respond. Man, I'd say at least with, at least uh, within a couple of hours or same day. I, I try to be pretty active on there and answer questions and interact with my audience. So if you throw me a message there and uh, and say hi, man, I'd love to meet you. And, and I, I should I should be able to at least get back to your message within that day. And I'm, I'm pretty active on there. So if you if you're messaging me or reaching out to me there, you're going to get something back. You're not you're not going to get ghosted. That's for sure. Yep, I can attest to that. That's how this conversation happened. Quick DM. There you go. Here there we you go. go, brother. That's it. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate everything. Appreciate all the wisdom that you shared with us. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, man. Sounds great, man. Appreciate your time on the podcast, man. Best of luck with it. And uh, yeah, let's definitely keep in touch. Let me know what you think of that last episode. And then moving forward, you know, as you're growing and, and having your successes, I'm excited to hear more about it. Awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate yeah. it. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.